0: Welcome to the
1: family with Hackmaster Ralph W. Basham, M.D.
2: Alex bernard Rasmussen
3: and Andy Brent bernard and Catherine will be here when she's done uh, dropping the kids off at the pool. <laughs>
2: That's what Dad says. If you know
3: what I'm
1: saying.
2: Whenever the kids what? poop, they're like, he's like, drop his drop the kids off at the pool. I'm like, and the kids are like, what?
1: <laughs> I know, Well, it, it used to be different, but in this day of sensitivity, we don't do that. Anymore. Close. Yes, very sensitive. I'm very sensitive.
3: Special guest Tom Dreesen will join us. We'll be right back with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest?
4: Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries.
3: And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you.
4: Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walls Around Group, Walls.com, and Doug Sprinthal. Nissan news. This is exciting, and I'm glad Andy's here. We just got our first shipments at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan of the all-new 2021 Nissan Rogue. Dude, you need to trade. been a dream of mine to be like Andy ever since he was born (laughs) so yeah check out these vehicles at walzer nissan in burnsville and in coon rapids house of j-lo and the house of dan rush tell them andy sent you walzer automotive group walzer.com you're rocking out man
2: sure are
5: that's
3: all i have to say always am we are indeed, ladies and gentlemen I love this uh, Is Tom ready to go? I don't have his phone number So I'm waiting on that Oh, you're waiting for uh, for Art to send it to you? I'm waiting for anyone to send it to me <laughs> Just anybody That'd be good Tom Dreesen's back in to continue his old school Hollywood stories And so much more Tom Dreesen, just a great guy Really, really good guy Working with Frank Sinatra, we worked with them all. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as uh, we can track Tom's number down, he is booked to be on the show today for 20 minutes. So yes, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We
2: know that.
5: Know
3: that. He's he's made over 500 national TV appearances. Well, just let me know when he's ready to go. Can do. It'll all. Oh, I think I heard somebody open a door behind me. Oh. <clears throat> what? What are you, you caterwauling about over there?
2: Catterwall. What has been said?
3: Nothing has been said about
2: anyone. Yeah, he said I you were dropping the kids off at the pool.
1: That's all. Are they having no. a nice Are they having a nice swim? Yeah. Are they? Yeah.
3: Are they, honey? Are they? <laughs> God, that's hey what
1: I'd like to know. It's
2: nothing sacred,
3: no. Nothing is sacred. have you at learned all. that
2: by no. now? No. <laughs> I know. I should have made up some lie. Yes, you
3: should it all have. works out. Andy's a lie. Out. Um, Andy, do you need mom to reach out to Art Sears or anything? What's happening? Well, so am I supposed no to be day. calling Art then? I don't have any information wow. at all.
2: What uh, oh, says here? Tuesday,
3: January 5th. Tom Reese is supposed to be on from now until 11.50. I'll
2: text Cassie. It's I just, texted
3: her already. That's all I know.
4: Oh. He,
2: he well, already, so. then she'll have to take care of it because I, I don't...
3: We'll know. stay on top of it. It's not that so, big a deal. So,
2: Andy. Uh, <laughs> Andy has been asked to kindly go and pick up... His grandfather, his 94 year old grandfather some items
5: mm-hmm. oh, so we okay. decided
2: to uh, some personal items so I we decided that we should probably put some of this stuff on uh, Amazon delivery you know the, yeah. like annual uh, every yeah. month or mm-hmm. yeah which I, I hate know, doing. I hate using Amazon, but this will be helpful. Yeah, for him. I can't even imagine what is going to be popping up in my uh, feed. Amazon, in, in like, my things oh, you might be interested incontinence in. Incontinence pads. <laughs> 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 right, this. What? Problem that. It's going to be really interesting. Oh, I'm already, because I, I research so much stuff about his glaucoma problems and his this and his that problem and what to do about someone with low vision. Every the internet already thinks I'm 94 years old. <laughs> so it's well, it's yeah. really interesting. Perfect. <laughs> I'm a 94 year old man according to the internet. So. <laughs> with- Wonderful. Hemorrhoids,
1: vision issues. Great. Did you get? Did you get? The, did you get the video? What to do with uh, a BPH, a, a benign prostatic hypertrophy? Did they get any of those videos yet, or any of those products yet? Uh, That'll show up.
2: No, I don't. I don't have that. You've that to look forward. I don't to. even know what. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that to look forward to. Maybe, maybe tonight. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it is interesting how fast they sell your stuff. It, it, it's amazing.
1: You know, it's, it's okay. It's, so almost immediate i would guess almost immediate
2: oh yeah yeah i, th- I think it is yeah. you think mm-hmm. i think it's within moments
1: um
3: there's one thing i'm looking at right now that i want to i just want to get this out of the way very very quickly because Catherine mm-hmm. and Lindsay mm-hmm. and melissa and alex can never ever expect to get this there's a new diamond ring record in the world this ring you see the size of this ring honey Oh, it that's is, a ring. That's a ring. That's exactly right. That's I thought a ring. it was
2: a uh, scrubby pad.
3: <laughs> it's the size <laughs> of a dinner plate. First of all, what?
2: it's the size, full size of her hand, the entire hand. Yeah,
3: her entire hand, exactly.
2: Yeah.
3: Why? Uh, and by the way, it features hideous. Uh, okay, explain something. Does anybody speak speak Indian? Like from India? No. Hindi was it? What's the language Hindi? called? Uh, Hindi. There's
2: men. There's Hindi. many. Well, the big one, common. But yes, yeah.
3: there are about yeah. seventy-three. Okay, well, <laughs> somebody please, please. Okay, the guy's last name is B A N S A L. His first name is H A R S H I T. Oh, yeah. What? That's a pretty common name in India. It, was it Harshit? Is that yeah. how you Probably. say it? Yes. Is that a horseshit? Well, yeah. Which
2: I knew That's, you were going yeah. Yeah. Well, No, no, I'm just going asking. Going I don't that. know. It's not going to be horseshit, of
5: course. Well, <laughs> you never know. It, it might be. Lost yeah, in translation kind
3: of problem. Oh, God. Uh, we have Tom. We have Mr. Dreesen. Yes, what could be better than that? That's all I know. Tom, have you ever purchased a uh, a ring for a woman or a man that has 12,615 diamonds in it?
0: Well, not lately. A couple of weeks ago, but not lately. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I love your segue from shit to Dreesen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: anytime, anytime. Anytime.
0: By the Tom, way, you just know don't the origin know. of that word, do you not, Tom? Ladies and gentlemen, do you know the origin of that word?
3: Of the big S?
0: Yes. When they transferred, I think you know this, and this is not a joke, when they transferred uh, manure for years in ships, oftentimes storing it below in the decks would cause these gases, fumes that could cause an explosion and set fire to the ship, so they would stamp on it, store high in transit. You know the manure. Oh! Mm. And, and, and this is a fact. You know, it doesn't make sense. Years, I, I would, I would look up things like this because it always made uh, it for good comedy for writing jokes. You know, the origin of certain words. You know, right, that, uh, right, or traditions. You know. Anyhow, there's, there's my lesson for today. Thank you. I think the it's wonderful.
3: We, I... <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, thanks don't for having this guy all the
0: line.
3: Is it true, then, I'm not going to say the word, but is it true that the other word came from, for use of carnal knowledge, when when Puritans were being punished, that's where that word comes from, is that true? I don't think so.
0: That was a trivia, but uh, I don't think it is true, but supposedly, when they did that during the, um, like, in the early 1600s or 1700s, if somebody committed adultery they put them in the village square and they would woodburn you know they put you in the blocks and they would woodburn right. in there for I'm a it's it, it sounds like um, you know by the way that, that there's a, I think I told you this last time I'm not sure but I was at the laugh factory trying out some new material one night in Hollywood and I was upstairs waiting to go on and two young comedians were around the corner and, <clears throat> and they, one of them said they didn't know that I was there. And uh, one of them said, you know, Tom Dreesen's here. And so, of course, my ears perked up. And the other one said, yeah, he's old school, you know. And the other one said, he's old school. What do you <laughs> mean? He said, well, he doesn't use the F word. And the other comedian said, he doesn't use the F word. What does he use for adjectives? Oh, my God. And I stuck my head around the corner and I said, adjectives. Yeah, adjectives That's what I use for adjectives. <laughs>
3: <clears throat> it's a nice thing, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Dreisen with us, ladies and gentlemen. Legendary Tom Dreisen, uh, kid from the South Side of Chicago. You know, Tom, you're one of those kind of guys. And I, you know, I talked to I talked to uh, you know, all my friends, all the rest of it. I, I grew up a very, very poor kid in North Minneapolis. I don't think you had a whole a lot of dough growing up in the South Side of Chicago, did you?
0: We lived, I lived in a suburb called Harvey, <clears throat> Illinois, 147 South, a South suburb of Chicago. Steel mills and factories and stuff like that. We lived in a shack. I had eight brothers and sisters. We uh, had no bathtub, no shower, and no hot water. It was a uh, sometimes rat-infested, roach-infested shack. There was a time when five of us slept on one big bed across. You know, so raggedy poor. Holes in my shoes every time. If you had a hole in your shoe, you put cardboard in. If a window broke, you stuck a rag in it. You know. I, I shined shoes in taverns, I set pins in bowling alleys, I caddied in the summer, and I sold newspapers on the corner, had a paper, all to help feed my brothers and sisters, and none of this do I regret. Yep. You know. So, uh, uh, and In fact, when I give motivation speeches uh, to uh, universities or corporate America, or even comedians, but I always start out with that story, but then I tell them, and that's the best thing that ever happened to me, because that's how oh, yeah. I perceive it
3: no i understand it completely tom the reason i bring it up because as you know i've been a big fan of yours forever and uh and my situation is very similar to yours and I, it just kind of bothers me mr dreeson that today children in america are hearing oh america sucks and you don't have any chance if you're this if you're that if you are that i grew up with nothing i uh, wanted uh, at 14 years old to get into the broadcasting business had no way to get there. I'd never finished high school. I went to college for one day. Uh, but because this was America, I worked really hard and things really worked out. I mean, it'll be on May 15th of this year I'll be in the radio business for 50 years, 50 years. Um, you've done rather well yourself, sir. I, You, to me, are the story of, of the United States of America. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, well, <clears throat> first thing I object to Someone who's my age, it calls me Mister Dreesen. But <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's true. I just showed, showed a little respect. Nice Catholic boy. Nice Catholic boy. That's all. Yeah, that is. Uh,
0: we do have a lot in common, there, Tom, and we have the same first name. <clears throat> By the way, yeah, that's, that's what good. my book, my book, and this is a cheap plug. Forgive me, but still standing is no. the title of my book, and, and, yep. and, and that's and that's why it's called that. Of course, I've been a stand-up comedian for this is my 51st year. But i've been knocked down a lot in my life and in the book if you read the book physically knocked down you know as well as the rejections that we all receive in life but i keep getting back up and the book tells you why i kept getting back up and 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 uh, how i kept getting back up you know Uh, the subtitle is my journey from streets and saloons to the stage and sinatra and it was it's all those things the hard knocks of life and and it it comes from that foundation you had of growing up poor and knowing no one was going to give you anything. That it, it, I, there was a mantra where I grew up at: the only thing you deserve in life is what you work for. And and I still believe that, and that's what I taught my children, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I talk at motivation talks. You know, it's out there for you. Everybody's looking for the secret, and the secret is you. You know, I, I tell. That's a wonderful like way to put it. Well, I, I tell people to begin the motivation talks, I'm, when this finishes, I'll give you the secret. And then when I finish the motivation talk, I'm for subjects, perception, visualization, self-talk, and develop a sense of humor. And I elaborate on those four points. But at the end, I say, and here's the secret. The secret is you. It's out there for you, anybody. The biggest problem, our school systems today are corrupt so bad, they don't teach you how yep. to think. They tell you what to think. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it. Uh, it mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we, we, you and I we came from the School of Hard Knocks, but also Common Sense. There should be a university called the Common Sense University. I personally have met more educated fools in my life than I have uneducated oh, yeah? fools.
3: Tom, you're right on the money with the whole deal. I just don't want any young kid out there now, you know, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years old, however old they are, having a dream, and then hearing the news every night tell them, you got no shot, this is America, America's a terrible country, and you've got... That's not true, and the... it's a flat-out lie, and Tom, Tommy D and Tommy B are here to tell you, you can do it if you work hard enough.
0: What you know? Th- th- what they do is they're teaching you to be a victim. You're a victim. It's not yep, your fault. Yep. You know, we all get trophies whether you finish last or you finish first. You're, you know, it's not your fault. That's such BS. It's always been BS. You know, to teach you to be a victim. You're a victor. You know, I, I think I said this last time, but I'm going to repeat it. When I give motivation talks, I gave one at the university a while back, in, an all male college, and I was talking about how long. Uh, I was joking. There was a a guy at that time 32 years old his parents had to go to court to get him out of the house he wouldn't leave eight years it took him to finally get this son out of the house so i was saying <laughs> to the young guys i was saying, how long do you think you should stay with your parents and one kid raised his hand he said until we're 50 or 60 and i said really he said yeah i said why he said because we didn't ask to be here and and i i said how many believe that and some of the guys raised their hands <clears throat> i said look i don't want to give you a biology lesson but when the male and the female make love from the male comes five million seeds did you know that two and a half million die instantly the other millions die along the way and soon there's only 100,000 seeds left 50,000 seeds left then there's 100 seeds left there's five seeds left four three two one you and i pointed at you don't ever tell me you didn't ask to be here you fought to be here you know yeah. you're a winner you were born a winner now what are you going to do with it
3: I think that's a wonderful thing. You've always had such a great... Did you Did you develop a sense of humor be, you know, to try to get through the, the day? Because there must have been some... Well, I'll give you an example. I just brought this up the other day on a morning show that I do. You were on it just a couple months ago. Um, it's very large... I, I grew up in a school, you know, racial mix. Blacks, Hispanics, white people. Uh, some Native Americans. We all got along. Nobody ever bothered anybody. It was terrific. We had a great time back in the 60s, right? So, um... I'm walking down the hall one day at North High School in North Minneapolis, and this very large uh, black man comes up to me. He's well, he's a student there. So he's probably 18 years old. Very big guy, very muscular. He comes up to me. and says, "Tommy, I got to tell you something. You're a really funny guy, but don't ever make fun of me." I'm like, "Okay."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I understand, the, sir.
0: <laughs> the true definition of a sense of humor is not when you have the ability. To laugh at someone else's uh, misfortunes or, or problems, it's when you have to be to laugh at your own. You know that's what a yes. sense of humor is. It isn't. They'll it say, "Oh, he's got a great laugh, and he laughs at everything." Does he laugh at himself? Does she laugh at herself? I was on Hollywood Squares one time. The question was of 3,500 women polled, "What's the number one characteristic they look for in a man?" And, and and the answer was a sense of humor, a guy who doesn't take himself too serious psychiatrists will probably tell you and psychologists the biggest problem we have in life we take ourselves too serious you know it's only a big thing if you make it a big thing you know and learn to laugh at yourself that, that's the gift you know learn to laugh at yourself you know speaking yeah, I mean, of your black friends <laughs> I, I, I recently put out, I just taped a little video that I'm going to fool around with but I said a guy said to me a while back do you have any black friends and I said yes some of my best friends are black he said oh you can't say that I said, why can't I say that? He said, because it's racist. I said, well, what if some of my best friends are black? He said, that's too bad, you you can't say it. So I had to call all my black friends and said, look, I can't tell people you're my friend anymore because it's racist. But you can tell, I said, the the guy, I said, what if you're black and you have white friends? He said, well, you can say that. I said, so I tell my black friends, you can tell everybody I'm your friend, but I can't tell people you're my friend because it's racist, and I'm being facetious, of course. You know? Right. But, but that's what politically correct people people will do in this society. How far will they go to keep us divided?
3: Yeah. No, you're. 100 far correct? I don't understand where where he got racism from. Saying I have a black friend. Well, how is that racist in any way, shape, or form? Yes,
0: yeah, but but they say that it's condescending or it's racist. what? That's the no. you know the the the, the woke generation. <laughs> And the politically correct police uh, are doing all they can to destroy this nation, and we can't argue back with them because we don't know who they are. We know who the Republicans are, we know who the Democrats are, we know who the Independents are, we know who the Moose, the, the Elks are, we know who the Ku Klux Klan is, but we don't know who the politically correct police are. And we police are. We keep apologizing to them, you know.
3: <laughs> it is amazing what a story that is, and I couldn't agree with you more. Just everybody needs to calm down, relax. Everything's fine. Tom, is it possible? do you well, obviously you remember it, but I'd love I, I guess i I've never heard you talk about directly what it was like the first time Tom Dreesen is backstage, and here comes frank Sinatra. i mean how how did that feel, knowing you're going to work with him?
0: it was it was you know uh, sometimes in that rarefied era, it was almost overwhelming. I had one of those mm-hmm. pinching moments. Because as a little boy shining shoes in all the bars in Harvey, Illinois, he was on the jukebox. I'm shining shoes. The first time I heard him, I was eight years old, shining shoes in bars. And then that same little boy one day was carrying Frank Sinatra's coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. Oh, you God. Know, and spoke at the funeral. That's what the book is about. Again, going back a cheap plug on Amazon.com. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'll take care of that. I promise. I will.
0: <laughs> but, but, but that you know, feeling... It, but, it, it, it was, it was, you know, when when I first, you know, it's it's interesting because the opening of the book, I talk about I had been touring with them two and a half years, all of the country in, in um, forty five fifty cities a year in twenty thousand seat arenas, and the book opens where we're flying into Chicago after me, I was with them fourteen years, but this is after I'd been with them about two and a half years, and we just finished Riverfront Stadium in in, um, in uh, Cincinnati and jumped on the private jet and. And we're flying in the Chicago, the Chicago Theater. They had spent eight million dollars renovating it, and we were going to open it. And that's where I used to carry my shoe shine box down by the Chicago Theater as a little boy.
3: Oh yeah. And try yep. try to
0: get the people that uh, to get their shoe shine down there because they tip better there than where I grew up at. But <laughs> now I'm going there, and my name is on the marquee with Frank Sinatra. And we're flying in the jet, and he's laughing. And he's saying, he's talking about great show tonight, Tommy. I would like some of your new material. He said. It talked about Skaga Theater and how excited he was to go there because he had performed there as a young guy. And he said, We're going to mm-hmm. knock him dead, Tommy. And at that moment, something happened to me that I can't even describe. I got so choked up all of a sudden after being with him two and a half years, the full realization oh my God, I'm in Frank Sinatra's private jet and we're flying yeah. into my hometown where my name is going to be on the marquee with Frank Sinatra and I couldn't speak and l- luckily he kept talking because if I would have spoke I would have probably choked up and, 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 uh, and got teary eyed because I, I couldn't it just hit me and, and that moment never came again you know, I, I, you know but at that, I, I could never forget that moment of what that felt like and it, many times in, in the years with him and, and doing shows and, and coming off stage, and then in Vegas, Tahoe, Reno, and Atlantic City, when we were casinos, when I finished my show, I would exit stage right. He would enter stage right. We would crisscross. He would then get the center stage while the band was vamping, and he would call me back. He'd say, "Tommy, come back and take another bow." And I'd take what they call a half bow, come out halfway, to and then nod to him and to the audience and wait. And he'd say, "There he is. There's my number one man. There he is. I mean." Those, I, I, You know, those are moments that are hard to describe for a raggedy poor kid from Harvey,
3: Illinois. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know what's great about that, Tom? I was thinking, uh, Catherine, my wife, is on the show with us. We do the show every day. It's uh, my wife, our son, and our daughter. And our daughter uh, is a, a young woman, 31 years old. Uh, Alex? Yeah. Is there a bigger Frank Sinatra fan than you? No
2: absolutely not Not a chance
3: see i just you you, know you have the sinatra channel on on uh what sirius or whatever it is alex
2: i used to that's all i listened to my first year that i had my car it came free and so that's all i listened to but now i just listen on spotify or whatever
3: on oh, Spotify or ever, could you talk to Tom Cruise a little bit about why he's such a young? Because you you were a Sinatra fan back when you were a teenager, right?
2: Yes. Well, you played it all the time growing up, and
0: right. I right. just
2: think it. I don't know. It just. I mean, it's way better than most music that's going out now. It's true, and it's just Great like music, simple and nice to listen to, mm-hmm. and happy, and I don't know.
0: Oftentimes, I'm asked. What is your favorite Frank Sinatra song? And I always say it depends what mood I'm in. Exactly. Yeah. Because he covers all the. You know, people forget what a. uh, You know, first of all, you know, he was uh, arguably the greatest career show business has ever known. Uh, He was in the studio 1,431 times. He recorded uh, over 100 albums. He um, had 1,200 original songs written just for him, 1,200 original songs. The songwriters that our singers don't do that he what people forget is what a brilliant actor he was you know he won mm-hmm. the academy award in from here to eternity but he should have won the academy award in the, in the man with the golden arm and what about the manchurian candidate and so many other movies one night sitting with him in his at his compound with all these house guests that he had gregory peck and kirk douglas and, and clint eastwood and jack lemon and and um uh, you know, uh, Robert Wagner, we're all sitting around talking. They were talking film and talking about directing and stuff. <clears throat> and I, I was fascinated because these were people I saw in the movies in Harvey Online when I was a little boy, but with also how much respect they were showing to Frank Sinatra, these you know, learned actors. And it was just I was curious, I said to Frank, "Did you ever study acting?" And Gregory Peck grabbed my arm hard, he said, "Ah, acting lessons would have ruined him." He was a diamond in the rough he fool with. So, you yeah. know, the point is, when you gave Frank Sinatra a song, to him it was a script. What did the writer feel the night the writer took pen in hand? Frank would immerse himself in the lyric and become that lonely guy in the bar whose woman left him, and he's never going to find love again, and you felt it. You felt every emotion that, he, that, that that lonely guy felt. Or the joy of songs. Come fly with me, let's fly away, you know. Um, you know, Charlton Heston said to watch Frank Sinatra sing a song is like watching a four-minute movie. You know, that's why uh, you're touched by his music because you feel the emotion in the song. Um, you know, that's why I say my favorite song is, depends what mood I'm in. You know.
3: Yeah, that makes total sense, Tom. Do you think uh, people in your position now these days? Um, you think the comedians are going to have a good time coming back? It's so political right now and everything. As you said, to say I have a black friend is racist. How can you tell a joke anymore? Is anybody going to laugh at anything from
1: this point forward?
0: Well, yeah, you know, you're going to have to go forward because comedians have to not bend or bow to the politically right. correct police. We have a First Amendment right. You know, I spent four years in the military. That's no big deal, but. One of the things was all about that we have a right to say in this country, the First Amendment, we can say whatever we want to say, you can't yell fire in, in a crowded theater, but that's what men and women, thousands, died for, that we have the right to say whatever we want in this country. You, you don't have to listen to us, you can turn us off, you can walk out of the room, but you can't tell us we don't have a right to say that, you know. Uh, and, and so comedians are the ones who are going to have to stand up to that. I have an album out in front of a, an all-black audience that I did years ago called That White Boy's Crazy. Sure. Yep. You know, and and, uh, and Tim Reed and I were America's first black and white comedy team. That's how I got into the show business. You know, we, we, we toured together for six years um, all over the North and the South, and there were no comedy clubs in those days, so we worked all black clubs in the North and the South, what they affectionately called the Chitlin Circuit, black-owned, black-operated nightclubs. The 20 grand in Detroit, the high chaparral in Chicago, the burning spear in Chicago, the sugar shack in Boston, the club Harlem in Atlantic City before they had gambling. We paid dues that no other act ever had to pay. Right. The material we did in those days, if we did it today, they would try to run us out of town on a rail.
5: (laughs) I suppose, yeah, I suppose that is true. Actually, we have a related Um, question from one of the listeners. He wants Love you to, to briefly brush on how it, you came about to be the first white comedian on Soul Train.
0: Well, because I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, and I played basketball on an all-black basketball team. I played football on an all-black football team. So my earlier routines as a stand-up were about that. So I worked, I worked all black clubs. And, and, and again, you know, even after the team broke up, I worked black clubs. But Don Cornelius was originally from Chicago, and when he brought the show out to the West Coast, I, I did my first appearance on The Tonight Show, and I was you know, doing routines about growing up in a black neighborhood, and his partner said, called Don, and Don called my, got a hold of me, but his partner called Don, he said, I just saw a white boy on The Tonight Show talking about black folks, and he was making it funny. <laughs> and and Don Cronia said, I only know one white boy like that. His name is Tom Drees, and he said, that's who it was. He said, let's get him on the show. You know? Love it. You know what's funny yeah, what about that? Great I would appear on I would appear on Soul Train and I, I appeared on American Bandstand as well doing stand up, but I appear on Soul Train and more white kids stopped me than black kids said, Hey, I saw you on Soul Train, you know. Yeah. The, the white kids were trying to learn how to dance, I think, you know.
3: Well, I watched it when I was a when I was a younger guy. I, one of my favorites of all time is it remember the word scramble where you'd dance and go by the board and move the letters around and they'd scramble the, the, the letters up and you'd have to make a word out of it. Remember that bit? On Don yeah, Camillo's sure. Soul Train, yeah. I'm watching it one day, and I'm not kidding. They're dancing, and I look at the word scramble, and it says <laughs> 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 "T Mister." It's not much of a scramble. I got to be
0: honest with you. That's
3: <laughs> ah, fantastic. When
0: I, I do, you should do a whole routine about black audience. When you work in all black audience, you know uh, it's totally different working a white audience. You know because they respond to what you're saying, not heckling. But if, if you say, "I just got in from St. Louis," some guy will holler up. My brother lives in St. Louis, you know. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, it's yeah. Fine, oh, it's like yes. the amen <laughs> corner in church to them, you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're absolutely some, right. It, it, and you have to learn to work off of that rhythm because your timing, you know, you set your timing off of those responses you're going to get, you know. It, it, and one thing, if, if you when, when if, if you're not funny, they're going to let you know from Jump Street. Hold on, brother. Richard Pryor's a whole lot funnier than that, you know. But if you are funny, the response is overwhelming, you know. Yeah. You
3: know, Tommy used to remind me of growing up on uh, West Broadway at the Empress Theater, the Broadway Theater, the Paradise. It was, you know, a predominantly black neighborhood, and we'd go to movies, and you talk about talking back to the screen, man. Everybody in that neighborhood talked back to the movie. It was unbelievable.
0: Yeah. That's what my routines are about. I used to say, you know, that... In, in you know, go, go to a movie with your black friends in, in a Western movie. They'd holler out, look out, he's got a gun. And then when the guy <laughs> shot the other guy, he said, damn fool, I told you he had a gun. You know. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite of all
3: time. I'm going to see the movie The Mummy. That was, was it Boris Karloff, I believe, was The Mummy, if I remember correctly. I'm a young kid, and the audience, like I said, predominantly black audience. So this mummy catches this guy and starts choking him. And one of the guys in the back of the theater hollers out, Hi, you can't outrun a mummy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> mummy yeah. The mummy wasn't fast, let's be honest. Tom, that's why I love to talk to you about these things, because you grew up that way. Uh, and here's what I love the most about it. You grew up and played basketball, played football, played baseball with all black teams. You, you've entertained all black audiences. But if you say, I have black friends, you're a racist.
0: How did we get there? <laughs> yeah, You know, that, that's the, the, the divide and conquer. When I first started out in show business, Tim Reed and I wa- decided we wanted to be America's first black and white comedy team. The only person I knew at that time in show business was a lead singer in the Dells, Marvin, uh, Marvin Jr. I knew all the Dells. They all grew up in Harvey. They had many records in mm-hmm. the 50s, you know, Oh, What a Night and Stay in My Corner. You know, sure. wonderful group. And so I went to Marvin's house in, with Tim. And, and we told him we wanted to become a comedy team. I wanted some advice. And Marvin just encouraged us. And, but as we were walking out the door, we were heading to the car, and he, on the stoop he said, you know they're going to try to break you up. You know that, don't you? And we stopped. <laughs> we turned around. We said, who? He said, they. They will try to break you up. He said, who? He said, it's a game people play called divide and conquer. If they see two people getting along, they will try mm-hmm. to divide that. He said, they'll come to you, mm-hmm. Tim, and they'll say, you don't need that white boy. You're funnier than that white boy. And, Tom, they'll come to you and say, you don't need that, that black dude. You're funnier than him. They're going to try to divide you because it's a game people play yep. in our society. Yep. They still do it to this day. The greatest lie told in this country today is that racism is rampant in America. That's simply not true. The 1964 Civil Rights Act set that up so that could never happen again, and there are thousands. black lawyers in this country and hundreds of black firms just hoping you would do something like that because they'll come down on you and they should that it doesn't exist but you keep teaching people it does so you can keep us divided you know and and Mm. just like i said somebody telling me that i can't say that that uh some of my best friends are black you know uh yeah it's ridiculous It's it's just it's the nonsense that they do to us that they keep. If you can keep us divided, I think Salolinsky wrote that book. Especially by the races, you can dominate America. America can't be destroyed from without. We have the strongest military ever assembled on this planet. And dare you to to, you know to come after us because we are militarily strong. However, we can be destroyed from within, and it's this simple. In in the once Lyndon Johnson came up with the war on poverty. You know, and let me digress. <clears throat> Where I grew up in Harvey, in any neighborhood—Irish neighborhood, Italian neighborhood, Polish neighborhood, uh, African American neighborhood—the mantra was: if a girl gets pregnant, you will marry her. When I was 13 years old, my mother said to me, "You know, if you get a girl in trouble, Tom, you will stand by her." I was 13 years old. You know, she that was the mantra: yep. if a girl gets pregnant, you stand by her. Along came the war on poverty, well intentioned but misinformed. If a if a girl, if you have a baby out of wedlock, uh, the government will give you $250. If you have two babies with two different men, you get 500 If you have three babies and three different men, you get 750 And by yeah. the way, if one of those men cohabitates with you, you get nothing. Guess yeah. what that yeah. did to our country? In, in Harvey, Illinois, in nineteen sixty, four 4% of the children being born were being born without a father in the home. Today, 75% are. All across uh, America, 3 out of every 10 white children born in America do not have a father in the home. Five out of every ten Hispanic, uh, five out of every ten Hispanic homes uh, do not have a father in home, and seven out of every ten um, uh, African American families do not have a father in the home. The young girls today get pregnant, and they marry the government. The government will take over financial responsibility yeah. of your child. You 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 wonder why there's gangs and all that in the South Side of Chicago and the murders. Everybody's trying to. How can we figure this out? What went wrong? It's not rocket science. In our neighborhood, growing up. If there was a young thug walking through the neighborhood stealing purses or, or scarring up buildings with graffiti, the men of that community took him home to his father and said, Do you know what your son's doing? We were more afraid of our fathers than we were the police in those yep. days. The, the men, you know, kept, took care of that community. And today there are no men in the community. You've got a grandmother with a broomstick trying to keep the, her four grandchildren, not the mother of those children. The, the, the grandmother, she's trying to keep those children away from the gangs. She's got a broomstick and they got an AK 47. Guess who's going to win that fight? <laughs>
3: yeah. Ah, what a great, what a great interview. As always, Tom Dries. I heard there's an album called Still Standing My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage in Sinatra. You can find it on Amazon, I've heard also. Or you it's, it's can go not to an album, Tom, it's a book. It's oh, did not I say an album. album? I'm sorry. Yeah, it is a book. You're absolutely right. It's a book. <laughs> I don't know why I said album. Well, because. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about this and the other thing. We're talking about it for, but Tom Dreesen. Yeah, the book is called Still Standing My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage in Sinatra. Sorry, I was—I literally got distracted just thinking about what you just said, and I really, really wish. Why didn't you run for president? What's the matter with you?
0: Well, I, I didn't have the, the backing of Hollywood, for one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I loved your points, Mr. Dreesen. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And you, know, you can call me Tom. It's, it's time that we can call each other by our first names. you know.
3: All right. Well, please come back a lot. I love talking to you. and You have so many great things to say, and I, I agree with every one of them. Tom Dreeson, thank you for your time today, sir.
0: Thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you and your family.
3: Take Absolutely. Care. Again, the book, Still Standing, My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage in Sinatra on Amazon. We'll be back right after this. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO from North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about
1: one of them? Absolutely. Real Fishing was started by a young entrepreneurial couple here in the Twin Cities. They offer guided fishing services during the open water season and ice house rentals in the winter. They came to us with a great idea for their business, but not a lot of experience in getting one off the ground. Now that they're up and running, they've told us how much they appreciate that we listen to their ideas for their business and help them work through all of the contingencies that could come knowing that we will be here to help them every step of the way with the capital they need.
3: Yeah, they're not going to get that at just any bank.
1: You need Bilski. Tommy, our whole team at all of the branches take pride in providing outstanding customer service and are ready to help our clients when they need us most.
3: Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. What do you think of that action, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, How great it was for Tom Dreesen to spend over a half an hour with us just talking about growing up. And I just, I got so distracted listening to him because he actually absolutely proved what I talk about on the morning show. I really wish they would not go to people who've never even been on the south side of Chicago or in north Minneapolis or in Detroit. These people are the experts. I'd like to know how you're you've never even been there. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know, and that's why you would say something to Tom Dreeson, like, Oh, it's racist. You can't say you have black friends, it's racist. How is that racist? I don't
1: know. I know. Anyone? Because because well, in the in the sixties people would say that, just to just say, Oh no, I'm not racist and they would use it as a cover up. So it really is not a racist yeah. thing to say. It's a, it's covering up that you are racist. But but if the fact is, you have a lot of friends that are black, and they're good friends. Is yeah, um, maybe you should just say my my best friends are black. you just say that, not some of my best friends, some of my friends? But you know, I, I, well, I oh dear. Uh, I okay.
2: I remember I was trying to set up um, JB as a matter of JB. fact with a friend of mine, and she was she's black, and I was telling her about JB, and. I'm like, and she says, do you have a picture of him? And I said, I think I've got, I can find something. And she, she says, she looks at me, he, she says, he's black? <laughs> and I said, is that a problem? <laughs> and she said, well, I just thought, since you're white, that you would set me up with a white
3: <laughs> oh, God, guy. God, here I go. we see.
2: And I, I just started mm,
1: laughing. Look. And then
2: she started laughing. It was actually pretty hilarious. Yeah, the pritchett, <laughs>
1: Prejudice occurs everywhere. I mean, that's a, that's that's just a social mistake for so many people, you know. And that that's all you thought you'd be, you know, it'd be you, you, mostly friends are white. And the reality is, most of your friends are white. Yeah, uh, it's it's that's true. It's a cultural. You want to be works. around people that look like you, act like you have the same beliefs as you. You know, one of oh. the reasons all, almost all of my friends that I that I'm close to started out simple means. Tom. You started out, and it's, it's very simple, not going up. I, 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 I was with, my dad was an iron worker. You know, that's that's how I started out. Uh, the, just all my friends, Tom Oslin, he started out as his, his, his parents, his, his dad, I think was a plumber. So, you know, that I, I am attracted to people with common background. Right, You right. know, And that's just, and just, well, just, yeah, please.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. It, it's just interesting because... Um, you know who Candace Owens is everybody seems to know sure. who she is. she's sort a conservative black woman, and she posts uh things that she sees from her perspective like the fact that Netflix and Hulu they have all of these subcategories now black stories, black yep. history black this but she views that as bringing back segregation
5: well it basically she's is, like yeah.
2: why that's and that's what. I also think, but other people are like, no, that's absolutely not segregation. That's honoring us as a se- as as a people, as a race. As I'm a like, separate I don't but know. equal people. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. I, I, you know, it. Everything is perspective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything.
3: I just love the fact that that Tom Dreeson would come on. Tom is. Uh you have another another generation he's been around the whole situation i first of all i try to explain to people telling a white person telling another white person you're racist is not to serve the black population at all it's to diminish the other white person well yeah of course it doesn't help it doesn't help black people at all yeah. for them to do that not I mean, at all
2: yeah name calling in general is not
3: yeah. useful it's ridiculous so I, I am really just so glad that he came on and did that. Do you guys like him? As I th- I th- He's one of my favorite people to talk to because yeah. he's one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet.
1: Yeah, he, 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 com- he comes from that background of understanding so much of it is personal responsibility, personal choice. And no one wants to have personal responsibility, personal choice. and Because that's, that's kind of what he was saying. Yeah, the that,
5: government's going to bail you out. You know, you, you, you abandon know? your child or, you know, dad steps out or whatever, you know the government's going to come in and take care of it. It's not going to turn out exactly well, but hey, you'll be more or less fine. You know, if you uh, want to commit a crime or something like that, you just the government will generally look the other way as long as it's you, you haven't committed a whole bunch of crimes all at once. It just, yeah, it seems like America is specifically set up so that you can make as many bad decisions as you want and uh, you won't pay for it unless you're one of the worst offenders in the world
2: well that's interesting because i mean all of those decisions every decision has a consequence <clears throat> well now, you, and, and people, it, you have to be able to look down the road to see where these well, decisions the are going is, to
5: lead you if to. the consequence is 20 years from now then who cares i'm not living 20 years from now i'm living right now that's how people think
2: well, that's a very infantile way of thinking. But
1: there are no, yes, there are no consequences for uh, chronic uh, criminal behavior.
5: I mean, you're going to die young, yeah, uh, most likely. Yeah,
1: well, they're, they're, generally
2: poverty, jail, yeah. uh, generally poverty for sure. Uh, your your instance of pot, your possibility of getting shot by either oh, yeah. somebody you know or the cops is higher. I mean, there are consequences. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 You'll hit I mean, a
5: consequence eventually, but... Uh, Modern society is set up to mitigate, to increase the amount of time between action and consequence to the point where people don't connect them anymore. You know, it used to be, until very recently, you do something, the consequence of that thing comes to get you pretty much immediately. But now you can do something and... 5, 10, 15 years down the line, you feel the consequence. But by then, it's so far out that you don't even connect them anymore. So people are doing... Destructive things without realizing they're destructive because they're being bailed out.
1: And Tom and Tom pretty much said that. Is yeah. that if you were you were messing up as yep. a young kid exactly, in yeah. South Chicago, the fathers uh, you know yep. p- picked you up and yep. took you to your dad and said, "Hey, uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. here was uh, you know uh, pickpocketing. Jimmy was uh, purse snatching. Jimmy was uh, you know tagging." And uh, they walked away, yep. and the problem was solved. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing with my dad. You know, if they were taking my dad. Oh hmm
5: yeah but now it's you start you do you commit a petty crime you fall in with the wrong crowd you commit felonies you end up going to prison you know you get murdered in prison but this is 10 years from that from that first crime you don't connect them and no one connects them people don't really pay enough attention they don't see that starting with petty crime ends up in prison they think oh it's just uh, you know it's just one broken window it's just one bottle of you know spray paint whatever but that's not really how it works. Nothing is in a
3: vacuum. So I have a question for everybody. <clears throat> and for new listeners, I would say this. And it's very true that um, uh, I, don't, I don't know the best way to put that. I am not uh, a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm pretty much a centrist. I'm not far left and I'm not far right. But during that whole conversation, I was thinking about something because now uh, AOC is on this thing again about having paying college tuition for everybody, paying off college loans, right? So after listening to Mr. Dreesen talk, I thought, well, the college loan thing, uh, that, was, that whole situation was destroyed by Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton opened up the floodgates to lend money to students more and more and more and more and more money so that colleges could charge more and more and more and more and more more, so he could do more speeches at a million dollars apiece, by the way. He was doing speeches at colleges that he helped to fund for a million dollars apiece. Okay? So he (laughs) then goes to the banks and says... These students cannot file bankruptcy against their student Did you know that you cannot file... You can include your college loans in a bankruptcy? I think it's one of, if not the only loan that you can't, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. That was all Bill Clinton. Okay, so that's the Democrats. And again, I'm not a Republican. I'm just pointing out facts. Uh, So it's AOC, you're 100% wrong. Democrats created that problem. Bill Clinton created, created that problem. And then the other thing is... Lyndon Baines Johnson is the one who said, you can get welfare, but not if the father's in the home. Yep. That's a fact. Now, again, so we're supposed to turn it over to the Democratic Party to solve problems that they created, trying to blame them on everybody else. You created the problems. Yeah. I mean, well,
2: w- once again, here we are, con- consequences to yeah. <laughs> actions yep. so many years ago.
3: Yeah, I know
5: things uh, that happened 30, 40 years ago. Now we're feeling the consequences, and no one understands why. Yeah. So, well,
2: that's a lot of the problem with politicians is they put a band aid on it right now because it looks good, and people are like, "Oh, you have to help us," so they just throw something together, and they don't see what what could possibly go wrong with having the man the uh, the man out of the family.
4: Yeah, well, really. I, so yeah.
2: many things could go wrong, and it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Gee, what could go wrong? Did you know I, I just,
5: that if you control for single family households, the crime gap between blacks and whites vanishes?
3: It vanishes. Completely exactly.
5: gone. Even independent Very of poverty, independent of opportunity. If you control yep. for family cohesiveness, the entire crime gap vanishes.
2: I oh, know, yep. but the problem is, is now if you say that, now you're being yeah, racist you're not to because say that. because now the culture is the way it is yep. in inner cities.
5: Well, you're either racist or you're you know belittling Judgmental. single
2: mothers yep. or you're exactly yeah yeah
1: you're poor phobic. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Even if something I, I is don't, true, I don't know you're not the allowed to are. say it. But if we can just go back for a second, if we're going to pay off all college debt, well, that means that college now is free.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, I uh, actually agree with AOC only because that plan would cripple academia irreparably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. For well, go well, to hell, real yeah.
5: nice,
2: Well, well they're, they're college One of the most corruption. you know. Yes. I, and college tuition increases have outpaced <clears throat> inflation. Yeah, by something like,
5: like seven, eight times, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. insane how much it costs to go to college. And all these colleges have all of this money in endowments that they cannot spend Mm -hmm. uh what is the what is i mean there's something really wrong with this structure
3: yeah no question we do have to take a break here thank you again to tom dreeson i love having that man on and for him to be on what was he 30 35 minutes Andy he was on yeah almost 40 almost 40 i just love the guy and he made such great points he's a very smart guy and i love hearing a man you know, he's got it made, he's got a wonderful life and all the rest But He doesn't need to step out and say things like, you created the problem, you need to fix it. I loved his appearance today. So we'll take a very quick break and be right back just a couple of minutes from now, right after this. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And he's rocking out, that's all I know. Alex, how great was that that you were here uh, when Tom Dreesen showed up? Tom Dreesen traveled with uh, Frank Sinatra for decade after decade after decade. I'm I'm really glad you were in studio to talk about the fact that you, as a teenager, used to listen to Frank Sinatra. Um, Actually, uh, I didn't want to mention
5: it because it's a bit of a tangent while he was on. But there are certain Rat Pack songs where if I hear them, I can still smell chlorine.
2: Oh my god, wild <laughs>
5: Because every time oh, yeah. we'd have yes. a pool party You would put on the mob hits <laughs> the Mob hits Yeah, or just oh, some rap hits. pack Oh, yeah. that's true there Lazy are certain Mary songs, or whatever Yeah, every time I hear oh, them I can that's still amazing. smell the pool amazing
2: <laughs> Best album ever oh, yeah. There are certain mob songs hits. Like in the misty moonlight Yeah, I'm like I'm at our pool <laughs> yep. Growing up
3: Oh yeah Every time It's crazy how that happens Mm-hmm I think it's wonderful. Great, great memories. I love Tom Drees, and I wish he'd uh, be on every week, to tell you the truth. He's just... It's going to be interesting, because Kristen Burt's going to be on with us in just a few minutes, and I can't wait to hear her take on, Actually, on the whole Actually, she was supposed Sinatra to be on 13 era. minutes ago, so...
2: Uh-oh, Kristen. Um,
3: oh, I thought she was coming on at 12.15. I did, it too, the, but no, it says, calendar. it says noon now on the calendar. Oh, damn it. See, because I would have brought her on. I would have loved to have her uh, oh, yeah. talk about that. We didn't know about but it. But that's so big... Well, let's bring her on right now. That sounds good. Why don't we, why don't we jump off quick and take the, take that first break, and then we'll yeah. put her right on if that's okay. Okay. All right. We'll be right back in two minutes with Kristen Berg.